From BYU Broadcasting's Performance Studio, this is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Joining me in the studio today is classical guitarist Matthew Rohde. He's visiting Utah from New York City. Here is a guest of the Utah Classical Music, uh, Utah Classical Guitar Society, part of their Young Artist series. More about that in just a minute. Matthew Rohde is a guitarist based in New York City. He's performed and taught throughout the U.S., South America, Europe, the Middle East, Southeast Asia. He even has been a, a dancer of the Argentine tango teaching that in Palestine. Does this sound like just this incredible mixture of cultures? We'll talk about all of this. And as a recent recipient of a U.S. State Department grant, he traveled to Ecuador as a cultural ambassador and in 2007 invited to perform at an address by President Hu Jintao of China during his historic visit to the U.S. He has a master's in international relations, and he's not a bad musician either, <laughs> graduating from the Paris Conservatory. We'll talk more with Matthew in just a minute. First, we want to start off with music, a Brazilian number, a valsa sem nome, a waltz without a name, by Baden-Powell. Thank you. 
Valsa Sem Nome by Baden-Powell, Brazilian guitarist. We've just heard that live, performed by Matthew Rohde, our guest today. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and you're listening to Highway 89. Our guest, Matthew, speaks French, Spanish, Italian, Arabic. Matthew, if anyone is qualified to tell us, truly, is music the international language? It might be you. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. But do you find that people, no matter what their culture, can relate to music from other cultures? Uh I think to to a certain extent, to a certain extent, music is a language that has to be learned like any other. We think we we learn how to listen to certain music. I think uh, if you hear a piece in the sonata, in the sonata form, which was mm -hmm. common in the classical and the romantic era, um, it's one understands and appreciates it better having a background as to what that is, what sort of makes up the nuts and the bolts that hold it together. On the other hand, uh, anyone can enjoy it. Well, um, I was so from curious. From any place, from any background. And uh, you've had a grant where you were you were working with refugee children in Kuala Lumpur, and where had they come from? Uh, in Kuala Lumpur, those children came mostly from uh, Burma, from Myanmar, although so, there were also refugees from Sri Lanka and a handful of other places. So what is their reaction when they're hearing Western classical guitar for the first time, or is that where you start when you're working with them? Uh, the thing about the guitar, the guitar specifically, I think, is a... Um, has a sort of universalist, populist appeal. Um, I can't think of a single culture in the world that doesn't have some sort of version mm. of a guitar or an instrument with a, some sort of box with a string over it that you can pluck. Um, so the thing about the guitar is that everyone loves it and everyone can sort of relate to it on a certain level. And that, um, for someone doing what I'm doing, which is going to a place like that, that's... Uh, that makes my job easy. So, with a, a degree in international relations, I mean, was that was that your thing, was that your idea from the outset that you would be able to use music over different cultures, or does that something that happened along? That oh, road? that was that was not part of the original plan. It sort <laughs> <Okay>. of, <laughs> I think, uh, um, yeah, it, it sort of that path sort of laid itself as I um, as I went down it. And I, immediately after graduates, my first graduate degree. Um, which was in music, I, for a variety of sort of unexpected reasons, ended up moving to Palestine, um, to the occupied West Bank, to the city of Ramallah, where I taught for about 14 months with a little music school there and did music. And for a variety of reasons, ended up leaving after, after, after 14 months. But that, that experience had a huge impact on me, and it... Uh, made it hard for me to imagine going back to a career of, a conventional career in, in music or in classical guitar or, or what have you. And uh, within a year or two of coming back to the United States, I sort of fresh with these ideas I had gotten from my time in Palestine, um, thought I might try a degree in international relations and see how that felt and um, to see how that might expand my own horizons. Well, we want to hear some more of this interna international melange of music. We'll let you go ahead and get settled for the next piece over there. Uh, we're going to hear from a classical guitarist, a composer from Barcelona, Spain, Miguel Yobe. But the piece is called Mazurka, which is, of course, a traditional Polish dance, usually in triple meters so that you could dance to quite lively. But I think you'll enjoy this really contemplative Mazurka. Thank you. 
Miguel Jobetz Mazurka for classical guitar performed live by Matthew Rohde. This is Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Uh, John Yerby is the head of the Utah Classical Guitar Society, and we've had him as a guest here on Classical 89. John, it's good to have you back. Thank you for coming in. My pleasure, Steve. Thanks for having us. You're having Matthew here as part of your Young Artists series, doing concerts, master classes, lectures. So why bring in an outside artist like this? Well, my vision with the Young Artists series um, was part of our community outreach initiative. Um, as Matt was saying earlier, I believe the guitar is a, is a universal instrument understood by all, and I think the perfect vehicle to bridge the gap between um, classical music and folks that maybe have not had experiences with classical music. I think that perhaps attending a, a symphony can be a little daunting or intimidating to some, so the classical guitar and its all its charms and wonders is, is the perfect vehicle to introduce this art music to, um, to our local schools universities, colleges, and general community. Do you think uh, that kids will relate to guitar because they see it so much, both in pop as well as, well, every form of music? Oh, absolutely. I think that's, that's, that's um, one of the main, main points here is that everyone knows what the guitar is and perhaps has heard it in some way or another. Um, and now we're just introducing um, a music that's perhaps less familiar um, with a more familiar vehicle. And I think that so far we've seen great results with that in our efforts so far. Good. Thank you. Matthew, I'm wondering, when you have a group like this, uh, when you're coming, uh, is it more of a performance or is it an interactive thing? A group of students. Uh, students, guitar students or school kids, whatever it might be. I generally like to, to, to wing it to some extent um, and to sort of feel out the group, but it's, it tends to be interactive. Uh, just this morning I played in a, in a school and it was as much, there was as much discussion and Q&A uh, as there was actually playing. And so it's in that sense, it's very fun for me. Well, you probably get time. the question, when did you first discover guitar? <laughs> when did you start to play? Well, I was about eight years old. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that makes it more than 20 years for me uh, at this point. And most recently, you were in Ecuador as a cultural ambassador for the United States. Correct. So when you go down, uh, how do you ambassadorize with your instruments? <laughs> well, I, that trip was organized uh, in very close cooperation with the U.S. Embassy, uh, which is in Quito, Ecuador. And they have a number of long-lasting, pre-existing relationships with Ecuadorian institutions. Uh, there are a few English language schools, um, as well as schools for um, either, either schools for low-income low uh, area, in, in low-income areas, I should say. Um, so the embassy was able to connect me with a lot of these places and help organize a lot of the workshops that, it, that I ended up giving. And that was uh, an immensely rewarding experience for me, I can, um, speaking for myself. And I think, uh, I think the kids had fun too. Well, you have taken being a traveling troubadour to a whole, new, <laughs> a whole new level by going from continent to continent, not just from city to city. Uh, you're, in a minute, you're going to play a piece for us called In the Woods. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. But you have a YouTube video, and listeners could look this up, sure. Matthew Rohde, R-O-H-D-E, in, in the Woods. And some of it was shot in the studio, but I loved you actually shot it. In the woods. In fact, the first sound I heard were birds chirping. Sure. Yes. Yes. Well, this is a this particular piece is um, is by a Japanese composer who passed away roughly 20, 20 years ago, nineteen ninety six, I believe. Toru Takemitsu, who is often called the Debussy of Japan, and that reference uh, is, of course, to the great French impressionist composer 
who was himself inspired by this lifelong interest in nature, in the natural world. And Takemitsu, much like, uh, much like Debussy, uh, loved nature. And much of his music is uh, either inspired by or mimics um, things you might experience in the natural world. Uh, and so a piece like In the Woods, which, as you might suspect, is, uh, might, might sort of conjure images of being in the woods, lends itself very well to being filmed well, I, I in like, the woods. I like um, how the video opened it up to that, yeah, not just yeah. the concert hall. Let's hear this piece. We'll sure. let you go ahead and get seated with your guitar. In the Woods is the piece. It's the first movement of his Wainscot Pond, which was inspired by a, a painting by Cornelia Foss. He dedicated this to Australian guitarist John Williams. Here is the first movement, uh, Wainscot Pond, from In the Woods, Toru Takamitsu.
Matthew Rohde performing the first movement of In the Woods by Japanese composer, composer Toru Takemitsu. You're listening to Highway 89. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Matthew, I have to ask, a composer who's writing for an orchestra will hear different notes and assign them to different instruments, but in the case of maybe piano or, or guitar, where you're playing something written by a guitarist, I mean, you're actually putting your fingers all in the same places and doing the exact same work. Do you feel like you get to know those, those composers by playing exactly what they've written? Absolutely. I mean, you feel, feel the difference in their style, not just from their sound, but even where, where your hands even, go? Well, the guitar is is such an idiosyncratic instrument. The strings are sort of almost evenly tuned, but not quite. And as a result, uh, everyone develops a different understanding of the instrument, especially those who come to it uh, as composers, I think, who, mm -hmm. who didn't sort of grow up playing it necessarily. Uh, and so I think it's totally fair to say that someone like Takamitsu um, has an entirely different relationship to the instrument. And his music has an entirely different feel um, from that of someone like Yobet, for example, mm -hmm. whose music I played uh, a few moments earlier. Well, now tell me about your guitar, because uh, guitarists are pretty pretty picky about what they love to play on. Sure. <laughs> well, the, the <laughs> instrument that I have uh, is an Australian, an instrument built by an Australian maker called Greg Smallman, um, known, I would say, among a lot, by a lot of classical guitarists. Uh, it's a great instrument. It has a very thin top. It's almost paper thin in spots, which makes it very fragile, but also allows for it to, to vibrate that much more freely. Mm. And as a result, it has a very loud uh, and I think warm sound. Well, because you do so much international work and especially working with students and with kids and even with refugees, I want to ask, uh, I've interviewed some people who worked in Jordan helping with Syrian refugees and right. felt like some of those kids were so shell-shocked by what they'd been through that that almost they they almost didn't know how to play at first right. or, or to enjoy. What do you see when you start working with uh, with kids in a situation like that? Well, I should say first of all that I'm not sure I would compare any of my own experiences ah. to working with someone like a Syrian child who is who has been through so much of what's going on there so recently. Um, uh, and it seems to me that that maybe. Well, speaking only from my experience, let me back up a little. Uh, having worked with children who have been through trauma, um, not to compare any one child's trauma to any other child's, um, it has an incredibly empowering effect. Um, and to give a child the ability to play or even just to enjoy music uh, is to give that child something that no one can take away from him or from her. And... Uh, I've seen it have, I've seen the changes night and day sometimes in my experience. It seems that watching someone discover a new talent that they didn't know they had would be pretty incredible. It can, it can bring, make someone come to life. And especially uh, in a place like some of these camps in Palestine where I've taught, um, when children already have so little and are given so little, uh, to give them this is just a tremendous thing. And, and I have felt very lucky in my own, to be able to, to be in that position, um, to, to provide that, even on some small level. It's very gratifying because well, we, it does, it does uh, have a huge impact. 
we want to hear some more music. We're going to end up with one more piece. This is a piece by an Italian composer. We'll let you go ahead and take your, your place here. This is by Nuccio D'Angelo. <laughs> Tune away. That shows we're live here on, on Highway 89. The piece is uh, called Due Canzone Lidia by Italian composer Nuccio D'Angelo. And I want to point out that Matthew Rodi has studied at the Conservatory in Paris. Also, he has a, a degree in international relations. Besides all of the other awards that he has and being a cultural ambassador with the State Department to Ecuador, he's traveled in cooperation with the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, launched an initiative to expose refugee children in Kuala Lumpur's area to jazz and to classical music. And now we'll hear this Italian piece, Due Canzoni Lidia, by Nuccio D'Angelo.
Canzoni Lidia by Nuccio D'Angelo from Florence, Italy, currently teaching at the prestigious Jacobs School of Music in Bloomington, Indiana. That was performed by Matthew Rohde. I have to say, we should mention that Matthew carries all of his music in his brain. It's all been performed by memory today. I'm Stephen Cap Perry, and that concludes this edition of Highway 89. Matthew Rohde is a guitarist based in New York City. He's performed and taught throughout the U.S., South America, Europe, the Middle East, Southeast Asia. And he's completed studies at Yale, the Paris Conservatory, the Academy in Siena, Italy, also holding a master's in international relations from Sciences Po in Paris. And he's reasonably certain he's the only person ever to have been a full-time student at both Sciences Po and the Paris Conservatory. He speaks French, Spanish, Italian, and Arabic, besides playing a mean guitar. Check out uh, all the information that's at what I have to say is a rather well-designed website, MatthewRohde.net, R-O-H-D-E. Matthew, thank you so much for thank coming. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Beautiful to hear you play. We also want to thank John Yerby, president of the Utah Classical Guitar Society, for arranging today's performance and bringing Matthew to Utah as part of the Society's Young Artists Program. We always like to hear from you, our listeners. We welcome your comments, your questions by email. Send them to highway89 at byu.edu or via our Twitter page at Highway 89 Live Music. Highway 89 is a production of BYU Broadcasting. In Provo, Utah, the recording engineer is Mark Waite. Our producer is Jackie Tateishi. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. Thanks for listening.